Hello everyone, in this episode I spoke with Jack Deep Singh, the CEO of QuantumScape. We spoke about the technology behind solid-state batteries for EVs and how material science is crucial for finding the right solution for not an easy problem. One of the important features for QuantumScape's solid-state battery is the charging as fast as internal combustion engine, taking into account safety, cost, and life cycle, and the challenges of scaling up. We also spoke about the competition, criticism, and quantum scape vision in the long run. I am Marwa Dweeney, and this is the Soft Robotics Podcast, and here is my interview. Thank you. Hello, Jack Deep. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, such an honor to have you. So I would like to ask you first how you would like uh, to define yourself for the audience, maybe first time listening to you. How would you like to define yourself? Well, I... Uh, <laughs> You know, I think of myself as basically an entrepreneur and, and we're interested in trying to solve, you know, problems that we think are important uh, in the world. And and right now, this problem of emissions and climate is one of the most important problems that uh, we think we face. You know, some of our investors, uh, for example, John Doerr of Final Perkins thinks it's the single biggest problem facing humanity. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we, we started the company to try to address that particular problem. Uh, you know, one of the biggest uh, emitters of, uh, uh, of greenhouse gases is, is of course, uh, the transportation sector, combustion engines. So we, we chose to focus on, um, on that sector. And, in, you know, it, uh, we, we saw that uh, battery powertrains, uh, you know, really are not very competitive with combustion engine-based powertrains. So uh, our mission really was to try to improve the battery, make a better battery that could narrow that gap and the process increase adoption of electrified powertrains and, and make an impact on emissions. That's a quick summary of what fundamental motivation was. Mm-hmm. Great. So before going to that question later, that's part, I'm curious about your childhood. How, how was your childhood was? Do you remember any memories about being interested in what you do now? Any memories about that? I mean, I, I, you know, uh, my, my training was in computer science in, in college. Uh, but as a kid, I was always interested in, in physics, uh, and I never studied it, uh, you know, in school. I did I did do uh, undergraduate degree in computer science and a graduate degree in electrical engineering. So there's a certain level of physics that you get in in, in a double E program, uh, but I never uh, uh, studied physics, um, you know, uh, 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 professionally. Uh, so this actually feels really. It's really fun because a lot of what we do is fundamental physics I and, mean, you know, the chemistry and, and the behavior of these materials at a basic level. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm very much enjoying the opportunity to uh, get, you know, deep into the weeds of, uh, of, of uh, how, you know, uh, uh, physics works at the materials level uh, and how we can solve real problems with that. Great. So I'm curious for the start when you start quantum escape in that case. It was a risky idea to go for a problem that you already mentioned many times. It's, it's really hard problem and it's still there's lots of challenges. It was risky for you how you just approach idea like solar state batteries. Maybe if you tell us how it was and since it was risky, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it was without a doubt risky. I mean, you know, when we started the company, all we knew was we wanted to make a better battery. Uh, and that meant that we wanted to get, you know, a lot more energy density, around a thousand watt hours per liter, and we wanted to be able to fast charge batteries in a lot less time than batteries at the time required. Uh, but we didn't have a particular um, religion around which technical approach was going to be the best approach. Uh, uh, in fact, the initial approach that we started uh, started with 
we quickly realized um, uh, was um, uh, probably not going to be as practical as we'd like. Uh, so we, we um, uh, you know, uh, 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 switched to a different approach, which is the approach that we're currently pursuing, you know, 10 years later. Uh, and when we started the company, we told our investors up front, we said, you know, look, this is a high risk, high reward play. Uh, you know, we, we don't know if this is going to work, but if it works, we think we can make a big impact. Uh, luckily, our investors uh, were, um, you know, venture capitalists that had um, already made a big impact in their previous, uh, on their previous, uh, you know, uh, projects. Um, you know, for example, you know, uh, two of our Series A and initial investors were John Doerr and Vinod Kosla. And John, you might know John Doerr. Uh, John is, you know, probably one of the, uh, you know, uh, one of the most uh, amazing investors in the history of venture capital. You know, he was the initial investor in Google and Amazon and Netscape and Intuit and Sun Microsystems. That's amazing. I don't know of any other single investor that's done that many deals. John. John um, was interested in making a big impact and he was comfortable taking a, a certain amount of risk. Uh, Vinod was the same way. He'd been a number of iconic companies as well. And, and both these guys had room in their portfolio for a company that was, you know, high risk, high reward. Uh, and that's where we, we kind of fit in. Um, and luckily we were able to build a fantastic team of people to raise a lot of capital along the way, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, get you know great support from uh, the automotive OEM customer base, uh, including, for example, Volkswagen. That's our biggest partner, and all those things put together allowed us to actually um, execute and and deliver a chemistry that, uh, in fact, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, does uh, uh, enable uh, a solid state uh, approach to batteries that, that yeah. then has the potential for high energy density and fast charge and, and safer yeah. operations. We're not done yet. I mean, that, what we've shown is that the, uh, we, the the chemistry works. We've shown data on that front, obviously, uh, but what we haven't yet done is scale it up into, into mass production. And that's really the challenge we're currently focused on is now, now that we've shown that there exists a chemistry that is solid state that you can use with lithium metal uh, that delivers, um, you know, uh, that has the potential to deliver all those metrics of high energy density and fast charge and, and, and safety and so on. Can we now mass produce that? And, and that's a non-trivial challenge, but that's our current, our current focus. Wonderful. So before going to the scaling problem, maybe I'm curious about the trade-off between the current batteries, lithium-ion and electric vehicles and the solid state one. At the core of the electric powertrain is, of course, the battery, right? Um, and, and batteries today have a number of limitations that uh, impact the, um, uh, the the vehicle uh, uh, vehicle performance. So, one is they don't have enough energy density, um, and, and energy density is of course uh, 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 translates into driving range, right? So, how many miles you can go on a single charge. Um, the second limitation is uh, is uh, is power density, uh, how quickly you can extract or put back in the energy into that battery. Uh, that translates into into uh, uh, charge time. So today's batteries take about an hour roughly to get to 100%, maybe 40 minutes to get to 80% charge. Um, you know, a combustion engine-based car might take, you know, five or 10 uh, minutes to refuel with, with uh, gasoline or, or petrol. Uh, so that, that was a, an issue with batteries. Uh, there's safety issues with today's batteries. The electrolyte that conducts lithium ions in the battery is a, uh, is a hydrocarbon. So it's basically a fuel that can burn, even if the battery is fully discharged and has no energy in it the electrolyte itself uh, can burn uh, and, and result in an explosion. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the cost of the battery is much higher than the combustion engine is today. It can cost 
you know, many thousands of dollars uh, for, for the battery pack um, uh, for, for any kind of decent range. Uh, and, um, and then the cycle life of the battery is also limited uh, compared to combustion engine. So those are the five key limitations of, of lithium ion batteries. Uh, it turns out you can solve all five of those if you switch the chemistry from a carbon-based anode, which is what's used in today's cells, to a anode based, made of pure metallic lithium. Um, uh, now, that's been known for many decades, but the problem has been that it's been known that lithium metal anodes don't work well with conventional liquid electrolytes because lithium is very reactive. Uh, and as a result, you have um, uh, two problems. One is uh, uh, a chemical side reaction of the liquid that results in impedance growth. And the second is um, uh, formation of needle-like crystals called dendrites that can short circuit the anode and cathode and cause a failure. So to make lithium metal work, you need a solid state separator or electrolyte that um, allows lithium ions to go right through it like, like a highway but stops lithium metal dendrites uh, like, like a real a, a wall. Uh, um, and, and that's been the fundamental uh, challenge holding up the whole industry for, for many decades. Uh, and, and that's what we set our, our sights on achieving. That's what we're excited about um, uh, in terms of uh, the, the data we've shown is we've shown that we've got a solid state separator that enables the lithium metal anode, which in turn then allows you to build a battery uh, that has uh, you know, more energy density for greater range, higher power density for faster charge times, safer operations because there's less flammable content in there, uh, better life characteristics, uh, and, and, and in fact, lower costs because you simplify the cell by eliminating the conventional anode. Now, our design is an anode-free design, uh, which really allows you to be, to be lower cost. So uh, long answer to your question, but the quick summary is that uh, the solid state lithium metal architecture delivers a number of key benefits over conventional lithium ion architectures. Mm -hmm. which in fact um, uh, make it very uh, relevant for uh, this EV transition. Mm -hmm. Great. So I guess to skew in that case, what could be the missing pieces? Maybe if we speak about scaling up or also you can pinpoint about, about maybe what is maybe the question that leads you to answer the, the transition from, uh, for example, to solid state. Is it the material structure? Or, I don't know if you can reveal about that. Yeah, so the key, the key really is the material, the solid state uh, separator material that we've made. Uh, people have looked at many different classes of material over the last, uh, again, 40 plus years, uh, but none of them met the core requirements. In particular, none of them met the requirements of preventing dendrites. Uh, even today, there are many other solid state approaches that are out there. Uh, people are using sulfide-based separators. People are using polymer-based separators, um, oxide-based separators, but every single one of them that we've seen uh, results in dendrites. Now, if you have dendrite formation, you can still make cells and and um, and, and uh, uh, run them if you compromise one of a couple of things. You can either revert back to a carbon or silicon anode as opposed to lithium metal anode. Uh, that, that'll prevent dendrites. Uh, but then you're no better off than today's lithium ion batteries because you just have the same architecture as lithium ion today. Um, or you can compromise the test conditions, run these batteries at... Um, uh, at lower rates of power or higher temperatures uh, or for uh, a shorter number of cycles. Uh, but any one of those three things makes your uh, battery not practical for real uh, EV use. So um, the challenge has been to make a separator that's solid state and can prevent dendrites under uncompromised test conditions. That's what we did. And then in December, uh, you might've seen, we showed a number of, of results uh, that made clear that the cell can cycle uh, for up to a thousand cycles uh, with something like 90% capacity retention, which is 
above the spec of uh, 800 cycles to 80% capacity retention. Uh, we showed the ability to fast charge. We showed the ability to work at low temperature. Um, so all those were really key breakthroughs. Um, all that's been shown with actual data that we published in December. Since then, um, what we uh, have focused on is taking that single layer cell, single layer means it's one cathode, one anode, and one separator, and, and uh, uh, stacking those single layers up into a multi-layer cell. Uh, the multi-layer cell allows us to uh, increase the capacity of the cell, the amount of energy stored in the cell. Um, and the multi-layering problem uh, is uh, involves no new chemistry, right? All the chemistry is encapsulated in that single layer. So there's no new materials and no new interfaces that are introduced when you go to a multi-layer cell. Uh, but, um, uh, but, but you do get more energy. So it's, it's a, the interactions are, when you stack the layers up, you have more mechanical interaction and electrical interaction. These, these layers are connected in parallel electrically, uh, but no new chemistry. So we've been working on that. We announced that we, uh, we, we, we made four layer cells uh, on our, our last earnings call, for example. Uh, and the behavior of those cells is very similar uh, to what we uh, uh, saw with the single layer cells. But that's just the starting point. We now need to uh, stack up to eight to 10 layers. Our goal for that is end of this year. And then by next year, we uh, are targeting being up into dozens of layers uh, in these cells. When we get up to dozens of layers, that will be what we call the commercially relevant uh, form factor. Uh, that would be what we intend to actually uh, uh, you know, put into, into cars. Uh, but even after we make those multiple dozens of layers, we still need to basically be able to scale up the production capacity of, of, uh, of the process, be able to make you know, uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of cells uh, so we can put them into cars. Each car takes about a thousand cells. So uh, you, know, you need a lot of cells to get a lot of cars. Um, and then we need to keep improving the process here. We need to, you know, um, uh, there's work to be done in terms of making the process you know, um, uh, uh, more consistent so we can, you know, uh, uh, have less variability in these cells, uh, uh, you know, uh, making it um, uh, more uniform, uh, you know, higher throughput. Those are all things we have to work on as part of the process. So uh, a lot more work to be done, uh, but, but the fact that we have the core chemistry means it makes sense to do that work. If we didn't have the core chemistry, it would have made no sense to try to work on scaling up a chemistry that doesn't work. Right? So I'm curious, that you mentioned many interesting points. Do you think that maybe reproducibility of this kind of behavior or of the, the cells will be different? Do you believe that if you have like dozen of layers or I don't know what kind of anticipation, what could be different? You are, I don't know how you anticipate the process would looks like or challenging. So, so you know, uh, as I mentioned, when, when, you, when you stack multiple layers up, there's no new chemistry involved. And all of the behavior of the battery really comes from the chemistry. So, you know, the, the energy density, the, the, the charge times, uh, the, the safety behavior, uh, the resistance of the cell, all those characteristics are a function of the chemistry. So the fact that you're not changing the chemistry uh, leads you to expect that there should be no changes, uh, no fundamental changes in behavior as you stack them up. And that's exactly what we saw when we made the four-layer cell. So the four-layer cell that we showed data on, uh, the cycling behavior uh, was very similar to what we saw in the single-layer cell. It's just that it, was, it had four times the capacity. Uh, and that's what we expect going forward as well, because all the chemistry is is um, you know is in that single layer cell. Uh, we don't see a fundamental change in behavior. Uh, we don't expect to see fundamental change in behavior as you stack these up. The, the challenge there is simply you know can we reliably uh, stack up these layers, uh, have the right level of alignment between the layers, have the right um, 
rate of stacking in our stacking tools so we can make enough of these cells, those kinds of challenges, which are more manufacturing uh, and mechanical engineering related uh, as opposed to fundamental chemistry. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious in that case, do you have kind of limitation or maybe, I don't know, through that trials, I don't know if we have any kind of downside or limitation so far, or I don't know, have the kind of redundancy in the design so that if there's failure, I don't know, it's still this battery can function. Well, I mean, our target is to make every layer extremely reliable. I mean, you know, batteries are, you know, uh, batteries for cars are, are uh, uh, you know, uh, systems where, you know, where reliability is paramount. You know, you have human beings sitting in cars, right? It's not like a cell phone where if the cell phone blows up, you know, um, you know, a human being isn't, isn't sort of trapped in, in the cell phone, right? Uh, the, maybe they get burned or something, but, but if you're in a car, uh, you know, you just, it's safety is really, really important. So our target is to, is to get to a very, very high level of reliability. Um, that said, when you have a multi-layer cell with dozens and dozens of layers that are connected in parallel, uh, if there's a, a problem with one cell, because they're arranged in parallel, um, you know, um, the, uh, the remaining, uh, uh, you know, current is distributed across the other, the other layers in parallel. And, uh, and, and so there isn't necessarily a, a, a huge impact, uh, but, um, uh, but, but uh, uh, more importantly, our target is to get, uh, you know, a very high reliability, level of reliability. Uh, you know, uh, on these cells, so uh, you can't really rely on, uh, on um, you know, uh, 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 redundant systems. In our view, we just want to make sure that the cells are fundamentally reliable. And I, I'm also curious about the charging time, because you mentioned that, um, of course, it reduces, but I don't know how you can see that pushing the limits of the charging time with the design of the, of the stack this many layers. Do you think that's a limitation, or you can make it the charging time just as fast as a combustion engine, like... Yeah, so, so uh, what limits your charge time in a normal lithium-ion battery uh, is the, uh, uh, the, the uh, I guess there's three things. The rate at which your cathode can uh, deliver lithium ions into the electrolyte, that's one. Two is the rate at which lithium ions can uh, transport themselves through that electrolyte, which is the medium that, through which ions move. And three is the rate at which lithium ions can diffuse into the anode particle. Uh, which is the anode side, the, the negative electrode. Now, in a real battery, um, uh, the, the the third thing is the key limiter. The, the anode, the rate of lithium ions going to the anode, is what uh, limits the, the the rate of charge. Uh, and um, if you the, the the rate of diffusion into the carbon particle that makes up the anode is a fundamental material property. You can't change that by trying to charge it faster. If you try to charge it faster than the lithium ion diffusion rate, what happens is instead of diffusing into the carbon particle, the lithium ion starts plating on top of the particle. Think of like a snowplow effect. Uh, and, and then it forms those dendrites that I mentioned earlier which short circuit the cell. So when you fast charge a lithium ion conventional cell, it's, a, it's kind of a dance between charging as fast as you can, but not so fast that you tip over into the dendrite regime. That's the limitation today. In a solid state lithium metal battery, you do away with the carbon anode completely. So now, instead of having carbon anode, there's, there's, this, uh, there's no anode, and the anode now is formed of pure metallic lithium that's uh, coming out from the cathode when you, when you charge it up, which means you eliminate the diffusion bottleneck. So now uh, you can charge the cell as fast as the cathode can deliver ions to you, and we've shown in the data that we published that that allows us to charge in 15 minutes. Uh, so... 
zero to eighty percent in fifteen minutes is, is what you get with uh, with a lithium metal cell, uh, which you can't do uh, with conventional lithium ion cells because of the uh, the diffusion bottleneck on the anode side. So that we've already shown, and we obviously need to improve improve the reliability of that and the uniformity of it, so we can do it every single time. Uh, you know, but um, uh, we've shown that the fundamental chemistry enables that. Uh, so fifteen minutes is not the same as you know, five or 10 minutes, like a, like a, you know, a, a combustion engine based car, uh, but it's a lot closer to combustion engine than today's batteries can get. So maybe before going to other question, I have one question. I'm, I'm curious about the competition in that case, because I, I don't know how it for you, that the kind of the pressure that you need to scaling up that this design, for example, and the competition, I don't know how do you see that's kind of, this is pressuring you, how you deal with that? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, of all the other solid state efforts that we are aware of, we don't know of a single one that has shown data uh, indicating they can uh, perform under uncompromised test conditions. So the data that we showed in December where you could cycle uh, cells for a thousand cycles to, you know, well over 80% capacity retention at, uh, at a one hour charge, one hour discharge rate of power, uh, you know, uh, uh, with 100% depth of discharge each time, uh, at, at 30 degrees Celsius, not 60 or 70 or 80 degrees Celsius. No one has ever shown that to our knowledge before. So that, that's unique. Uh, and so we don't see any other material system on the horizon uh, that's solid state that can, that can match that. We, we kind of feel like we're pretty unique there. Uh, and so our real challenge is not whether there's another solid state system that can um, uh, leapfrog us, but whether we can in fact execute on the scale up and manufacturing challenge that we have ahead of us. So in that sense, our, our biggest um, uh, you know, uh, uh, risk really is our own ability to execute uh, as opposed to a, you know, a competitive uh, approach that might, that might be out there. Uh, material science is hard. And yeah. if someone hasn't already shown a material that has the core capabilities, you know, it's many, many years, if not decades before a brand new material uh, can be commercially viable. We've been working on this for ourselves for about a decade, uh, and, and we're only now getting to the point where we're, uh, you know, where we're uh, ready to to look at mass producing it. And that's after hundreds of millions of dollars uh, raised over that period of time. Um, you know, uh, 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 hundreds of people on the team, great customer support, you know, great investor support. So it's just a hard, hard problem. Uh, and the company has now raised about two billion dollars, right? So it's this is not a problem where two guys in the garage yeah. can kind of solve it. Uh, and, and, and so we, we just feel like, like um, now that we've demonstrated the core chemistry, there's a unique opportunity to, uh, to scale up and, and produce it in volume. And if we can execute on that part of it, then we really think we can make a big impact on, on, the, uh, on the world of, uh, of uh, automotive powertrains. I totally agree with you, yeah. So maybe we go to the other question. The first question from Robert, he asks you first, I just want to say thank you uh, for what you're doing. It's really amazing. And his question is, what does QuantumScape plan to do with the battery tech prior to uh, being ready to EV application? Also, are battery powered for aircraft and battery powered also for poles, for example? Or, yeah, just something like that's plans. How do you see the battery? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to thank Robert for, for uh, uh, the question and also for his support. Um, all through our mission, you know, one thing that we decided early on was that rather than try to be a jack of all trades and a master of none, we thought it was more important to focus on one application and uh, solve it well. 
Uh, and we chose to focus on the, on the EV uh, automotive application uh, because we saw that, that that was where there was the biggest need. Uh, you know, today's batteries work reasonably well in cell phones and and um, uh, and in you know, uh, 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 you know consumer applications. Uh, but the automotive uh, application, you know, we feel like you know until you get a battery that is closer to the combustion engine in terms of range and fast charge and cost and, and safety, uh, you know, EVs will not really achieve their full potential. So we've been focused on that as our first application. Uh, which may seem, um, you know, uh, a little strange because that's the hardest application in terms of all the requirements. On the other hand, the benefit of that is that because we've uh, designed the battery for those strict set of requirements in the automotive space, once we start shipping batteries to automotive, the capabilities of those batteries apply equally well to many other sectors. Um, you know, uh, Robert mentioned uh, the uh, aviation sector, for example. There are there's a lot of work going on in in vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, so-called EV tall, uh, uh, you know, aircraft, uh, and and um, uh, uh, you know, a battery with more energy density is critical for that space. So we could play there. Uh, you know, uh, the, the the mobile phone guys would really love a battery that takes up less volume, so they can use more of the space in the phone for functionality instead of you know just battery. Uh, you know, the, the 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 grid, the power grid, right, where you need to be able to store energy to time shift uh, the generation and dispatch of of, of power. Um, you know, is another application, but all those are, are applications that, uh, you know, from our standpoint, will, will come, you know, after we've already, um, you know, uh, penetrated the EV space. Uh, so we, we fully intend to have be a, you know, a multi-application battery company, uh, but we believe that it's important to have a clear sense of focus, so you're not spread too thin and end up doing nothing well. Right? Yeah, great. May also add. Why hasn't been there talks, at least from what I have seen, about re-EV small-scale production phase for cell phone and laptops, as well as other consumer devices? And he said that I think that would be a powerful proof concept for the market to see why the company works uh, its way towards full-scale production. Pretty sure if you can uh, call the guys over Google, they would be more than willing to put your tick and their new line of Pixel phone if it's right deal is made. I mean, I think his point is well taken. I mean, uh, I think the the you know uh, uh, the consumer electronics guys and many other you know industry sectors would love a battery that has you know fifty to eighty percent more energy density and and, and the ability yeah. to charge more quickly and so on uh, and, and lower cost. But but I think from our standpoint, we just wanted to have the discipline of focus, right? We rather than go after a mar the, the the market for EV batteries is probably in our calculation, you know, uh, twenty times as big as the market for consumer electronic batteries. Uh, so given the amount of capital that's required to make a better battery, we really wanted to go after a market that was big enough to uh, produce a, a decent return for our investors, uh, to, so that we could justify the kind of capital that, that's required to do this. Uh, having said that, like I said earlier, you know, uh, uh, once we address um, you know that that market, uh, we we certainly will make the battery available to other other applications as well. And and uh, he's absolutely right that um, that that uh, we're seeing a lot of interest from many other uh, uh, sectors outside of automotive. Uh, we're just trying to be disciplined about not getting uh, too defocused. Uh, you know, Volkswagen has been a huge partner of ours. They're very committed to this technology, and we. Take that commitment seriously. We need to make sure that we execute and deliver sales to them uh, before we get too distracted with other sort of newer, shinier objects. Uh, yeah. And, and um, I think they they value that, and it's it's worked well for us so far to have that clear sense of focus uh, and not be distracted uh, by other applications. Uh, 
the good news is that once we address the automotive requirements, um, uh, they have the most stringent requirements because you need you need you know all of the key attributes. You know, uh, not just higher density, but you also need higher power density. You also need lower cost. You also need safety, uh, and you also need cycle life. Uh, and um, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, all the other applications we're aware of require a subset of those key uh, those key attributes. So uh, we mm -hmm. feel like if we can meet the automotive industry requirements, uh, you know, then, then it's kind of uh, you know, a, a downhill walk from there to meet the requirements of other uh, other sectors as well. Yeah, maybe a quick question here about the battery. Do you think that solid state batteries can be designed in a way that maybe never damaged? I don't know, or maybe increases life life cycle, never been damaged. I don't know what could be lead the damage early to the batteries. For example, an EV application situation like the life lifespan. So again, one of the limitations to the cycle life of a normal normal lithium ion battery is there's a chemical side reaction that happens on the anode side. So um, uh, it's also one on the, on the cathode side. So the, the liquid electrolyte, which is again, the medium through which lithium ions move in the battery, uh, turns out to be, it's a hydrocarbon, an organic material, and it's unstable to both the anode side and the cathode side. So there are chemical side reactions happening between that liquid and the carbon anode, as well as that liquid and the, and the, uh, the, the cathode particle. Those chemical side reactions consume a little bit of lithium on every cycle. And so every time you use the battery and charge it up and discharge it, you end up with a little bit less capacity than you had before you, you used it. That's why your cell phone eventually dies after a couple of years of use, because every cycle you're chewing up that lithium. Um, uh, and, and those are irreversible side reactions. You, you can't get that lithium back. Now, in a, in a lithium metal solid state battery like ours, because we don't have any anode or any liquid on the anode, there is no chemical side reaction on the anode side. We still have a chemical side reaction on the cathode side like a normal battery does, but on the anode side, we eliminate that side reaction. And as a result, you, you get better life because you have that much less lithium being lost. So we do believe that these batteries have, uh, have better uh, cycle life uh, than, um, uh, than, than conventional uh, lithium ion batteries for that reason. Uh, relative to safety, the, you know, the, the fact that we don't have as much organic material, we do use an organic uh, material in our cathode as a catholite, but there's no organic material in our separator or in our anode. Uh, so we have less organic material. That increases the safety of our cells because there's less fuel in the battery as compared to conventional cells. Also the separator itself, uh, our ceramic solid state separator is, uh, is a, because it's a ceramic, it's very stable thermally. So an ordinary, uh, lithium ion separator will melt and then burn at less than 200 degrees because it's it's a it's also a hydrocarbon. Whereas ours will be thermally stable to north of a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. I'm sorry, a thousand degrees Celsius, and and uh, and even then it'll never burn because it's already oxidized, so it so it can't burn. So because of those things, we think we have both better life and increased safety as compared to lithium ion batteries. So we have a question also from Ryan and ask us about. What sets your EV solid state battery technology apart from others as Panasonic or Silipower or other developing solid state battery platform? I don't know, you, you already maybe answered a little bit, but he had a lot of questions. And how does your battery density compare to the competitor? As some have suggested, they are on the track of 400, for example, what for a kilogram, and how much does it cost to produce VS lithium ion? and how these costs are bought into the consumer. I know your company uh, on the track to sales 2025, and what are your plans potentially to speed up uh, your overall production to beat some of this competitor in the market? 
Yeah, so he, he, he mentioned a couple of specific companies and I want to just uh, uh, help uh, categorize those players because those are different types of batteries. So Panasonic makes a conventional lithium-ion battery. And again, conventional lithium-ion is defined by the fact that it has a, a carbon or, or silicon-based anode material, um, uh, which takes up space and limits your, your charge time and, and um, adds cost. Um, uh, what we do is a solid state battery uh, with a lithium metal anode. So that's why we're different from Panasonic or for that matter, Samsung or LG Chem or CATL, or any of the guys that make batteries today. Uh, those are all conventional lithium ion batteries where the lithium is stored as an ion in the carbon or silicon anode. In our case, it, the battery is a, what's, what's called a lithium metal battery. There's no carbon, there's no silicon, uh, there's no anode at all. And the same lithium that normally is cycling back and forth and intercalating in that carbon uh, or silicon particle is simply uh, uh, forming a layer of pure metallic lithium on top of our separator. Uh, so think of it this way. A normal lithium ion battery anode is like a basketball stadium uh, or, or a football stadium where uh, you have spectators that come in and they're all sitting in their own seats. So the carbon, each, each uh, lithium ion in a conventional lithium ion battery requires six carbon atoms to hold it in place. Uh, that, those six carbon atoms are like the seat that the lithium ion sits in. In our case, it's like a stadium where we've gotten rid of the, uh, <laughs> the, all the seats and the fans just come in and they're just standing shoulder to shoulder. You can pack a lot more people in that stadium because you don't have the extra volume or weight of the, uh, uh, of the seats. So in our case, there's no carbon, there's no silicon. It's just pure lithium sitting in the anode. Um, so that's what gives us the fundamental benefit over lithium ion. The other player that your uh, questioner mentioned was solid power. The solid power is trying to work on a solid state system. Other, and other players are too, like Samsung has demonstrated solid state system and so on. Um, uh, that system is based on what's known as a sulfide material. Uh, the sulfide is the electrolyte through which lithium ions move. And unfortunately, sulfides have not been shown to prevent lithium metal dendrites. Um, so those systems can't work at, um, uh, under uncompromised test conditions. Uh, they either um, need to be uh, run hotter, uh, which increases their cost, or for a shorter number of cycles, which is not practical, uh, or um, at very low rates of power, which is not usable in a real car. Um, so, um, so, you know, uh, I would summarize by saying relative to conventional lithium ion, like Panasonic and, uh, you know, LG and, and, and uh, Samsung and so on, um, uh, a lithium, sol lithium metal solid state battery is going to be higher energy density, faster charge, lower cost, and safer. And then relative to other solid state systems, um, you know, we're the only solid state system that actually has been shown to work uh, under uncompromised test conditions, which is obviously critical to be commercially viable. So we don't know of another uh, system that has shown commercially viable uh, performance data. Uh, so that's how we compare against both those categories. We have also a question from uh, Sai. I ask you that, is QuantumScape planning to use 3D printer to building uh, solid-state batteries? And do you believe that you can meet the goal earlier than expected? And what are the current challenges while ramping up production? We covered part of that, but yeah, maybe the first part of that. Yeah, no, we, we don't uh, currently uh, plan using 3D printing, uh, primarily because we're looking for very, very low cost, high scale um, production uh, uh, technologies. Uh, and, and so 
uh, you know, 3D printing today just doesn't have the the, the scale um, and the economics that we need. Uh, you know, 3D printing is great for prototype type manufacturing or, or manufacturing where there's a uh, you know a, a, a certain level of premium you can get from the product, but uh, for batteries, you just need to be so cost is such an important driver and scale. The scale of these things is, is just mind-boggling, right? I mean, look at it this way. So one of our partners, VW, um, their target, they've said by the middle of this decade is to have on the order of maybe 3 million cars a year that they're shipping. Well, 3 million cars a year would be about 3 billion of our sales per year, right? I mean, you, you, we don't know of a, an approach that can, that can 3D print 3 billion of anything, basically. So you need very, very low cost processes that are what we call continuous flow. So think of it as a printing press where you have a, a newspaper running continuously and you're simply printing ink onto the, the paper. That's the kind of process you need in order to be able to make these batteries scalably. Um, uh, and so those are the kind of things we're focused on. Uh, but if, if somebody has a breakthrough in 3D printing that, that allows you to um, uh, make it a very low cost and high scale, we, we'll certainly explore that. That's excellent point, yeah. And I have a question from Michelle, we ask it, how does the partnership with for Volkswagen, for example, does it limit the sales for to Volkswagen only? And do you plan to French non-EV use as well? I think that's something also we asked before. The, the, the question about Volkswagen is a good one. So yeah. the Volkswagen partnership has been great for us. They, they're very committed to the technology. They've been partners of ours since 2012. Uh, they've invested north of $300 million into the company directly. They further uh, committed an undisclosed sum to build a manufacturing joint venture with us to mass produce these cells. Um, uh, having said all that, um, uh, uh, they do not have exclusivity on, our, on these batteries. Um, they understood that you know, it's important for us to build an independent company that supplies batteries to the industry as a whole, because that also drives down their costs by increasing our volumes. Uh, however, what they do get in return for that big investment and, and all the support over the years is the right to be first. So VW, uh, so the first cars with the QuantumScape solid-state battery in them will be from the VW Group. But of course, the VW Group owns a number of iconic brands like Porsche and Audi, and of course, the VW brand itself. Uh, they also own Lamborghini and, and Bentley and so on. But um, uh, those three volume brands you know, give us a full spectrum of, you know, the automotive sector, you know, high performance sports cars with Porsche, you know, luxury sedans with Audi, and then volume, you know, mass market sedans with, with VW. So one of those brands will be the first with our batteries in them. Uh, but after um, uh, the first uh, VW cars ship, um, uh, we are free to work with other suppliers as well. Uh, and and uh, as I mentioned, we, uh, you know, fully intend to have to be a supplier uh, to the industry as a whole because it's a win for everybody, including uh, you know VW and, and QuantumScape and, and the whole industry. Um, uh, to be candid, we're we're more likely, most likely, going to be supply constrained to start. Uh, you know, the, the demand for uh, these batteries and in fact batteries in general far outstrips our ability to manufacture them. So for the first you know few years, um, you know we um, will uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, not be able to fulfill all the demand that, that we see out there. Although we'll be working like crazy to build factories as fast as we can to meet that demand. Uh, but um, uh, this is one of those situations where the demand far outstrips the supply, uh, which is a good place to be. This is also why we have to think carefully about which customers we want to work with, whether it's, 
you know, the aviation sector or the consumer sector, uh, because we already have sort of, you know, our, our uh, uh, capacity, uh, you know, yeah. spoken for from the automotive sector. So there's not a lot of excess capacity. If we add additional sectors, we'll have to take away capacity from the automotive sector. When will testing of 12 layers be completed? I think that's something maybe also beginning, if you can operate more, and how do you start build a factory? Yeah, so uh, we've shown four layers. Uh, that was earlier this year. Our target is eight to 10 layers this year. Um, and um, uh, if we can show eight to 10 layers this year, uh, we'll be on track to showing many dozens of layers next year. And then um, uh, having um, uh, cells uh, produce in our pre-pilot line facility, which we call QS0 by 2023. Uh, and those will be, that facility will be able to produce about you know, several hundred thousand cells per year, uh, which then will lead into our mass production, uh, which is being done with VW as a joint venture, uh, which is a 20 uh, gigawatt hour facility, which is capable of, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, several hundred thousand cars per year. Right? Question from Justin asks is how would tooling expansion work if you decide to expand it into consumer uh, electronic size or industrial scale batteries to is a burdened move also, since sodium may be one day be viable alternative, um, um, do, you, do you see quantum scape one day moving towards next R&D goal in the future? I think there again, like I said, we think the battery technology fully applies to other segments like consumer uh, and aviation and uh, the power grid. Uh, it's more a question of business focus. We just don't want to get distracted by uh, other segments and then not execute on the core automotive opportunity, which is really one of the biggest opportunities in any market, frankly. We, we think there's probably a, a half a trillion dollars per year worth of market opportunity in the automotive sector alone. Uh, so we could build a very, very you know, uh, uh, big company in that space without even attacking other, other segments. Um, relative to sodium batteries, um, you know, uh, when you, again, because chemistry is hard, uh, when you change something as fundamental as the ion that's being transported, so instead of lithium using sodium, uh, everything changes. You need different cathodes, different anodes, different electrolytes. Uh, and that's just that's just a massive, massive project, right? So it doesn't, um, you know, un unless, until work has been done, you know, in academic settings and, and you know, in many other groups showing that there exist electrolytes for, uh, for the ion, there exist cathodes, there exist anodes, uh, and, 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 and all those have been tested together relative to stability and, and, uh, and cycle life and so on, uh, then that's not really something that we think is going to be practical. Right now, uh, there is no real contender for uh, other than lithium-based lithium um, uh, batteries for, for the mass market. Uh, you know, what we are doing is pretty radical already, which is we're, we're a solid-state battery using a lithium metal anode instead of a lithium, instead of a carbon or silicon anode. Um, and, and, uh, and that's still... You know, it's considered very radical, and yet it's still lithium ions being transported in the cell. So I think um, you know uh, uh, we don't see a lot of other chemistries uh, that could be uh, commercially viable, you know, yeah. over the coming decade, other than lithium-based chemistries. And and uh, and we think that solid-state lithium metal uh, is um, uh, you know the highest performance uh, you know uh, uh, of those different chemistries. Question from Kevin: um, What's energy density for four layer uh, layer cells? Do you, how thick is, is your separator? Has heard Luke and Shift sales officer when merger completed? I don't know if you can answer that question. 
Yeah, so uh, I heard the first two questions. So um, uh, we haven't disclosed the uh, precise thicknesses of our separator. We have said that they're in the tens of microns of, of, uh, of thickness. Yeah. Uh, and we have also said that the, the separator we delivered to BW in Q1, the cells we delivered to BW in Q1 as part of our BW milestone uh, that, that we met, uh, had separator thicknesses uh, that were um, uh, consistent with our commercial requirements. Uh, so um, uh, we, we, we know we can make commercial thickness separators. Um, uh, VW validated those, uh, those cells already. Um, uh, re relative to um, energy density, uh, this is exactly why we uh, need to work to get to multi-dozens of layers in our cells. So uh, if you look at a single layer cell with one cathode, one separate, one anode, the energy density of that cell will be dominated by the packaging, right? Uh, because there's only one active layer and then a lot of packaging. As you increase the number of active layers, um, you increase the ratio of active material to inactive material. Uh, and that increases the energy density of the cell. So think of it this way. If you're trying to you know, um, uh, uh, ship something in a package like, um, uh, I don't know, um, you know, uh, apples. <laughs> uh, if you have one apple sitting in a big crate, then the, the ratio of apples to packaging is not very favorable. But if you fill the whole crate with apples, now you have a lot more apples um, uh, as a function of the overall volume and mass of the crate. It's the same thing with, with these cells. The, 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 each layer stores a certain amount of energy. So as you add more layers, you increase the amount of energy um, uh, as a function of the overall uh, uh, weight and volume of the cell. So the energy density goes up. Uh, and, and at our target thicknesses, uh, we expect to have a, a thousand, about 1,000 watt hours per liter uh, of energy density. Today's uh, best, uh, today's most energy dense cells, which are the ones used by the Tesla Model 3, are on the order of 715 or so watt hours per liter. Uh, so this would be you know, probably 50% more energy density than what you get on today's most energy dense cells. Um, and the last point I'll make is that, is that um, um, you know, uh, as lithium ion increases its energy density and, and lowers its cost, we get to benefit from those improvements because our cathode is the same as conventional lithium ion. So if lithium ion builds better cathodes that have more energy density, if we have more, uh, more nickel rich content, more nickel rich um, uh, cathodes or, or um, you know, uh, uh, lower cost uh, cathode materials, we can use those same materials. Uh, but in addition to that, we don't have an anode. So we, we're, we are uh, always gonna have this advantage over lithium ion. Uh, no matter where it is in its uh, evolution uh, path, right? Mm -hmm. Thanks. So since you called that, I have a few questions. Maybe the first one about what could be your aspiration or other ideas. You still maybe you're thinking about it. Maybe I don't know about the battery after maybe ten years. Hopefully, if you may manage to do that earlier as soon as possible. So I don't know when you think with yourself what kind of thoughts or I don't know you have about the battery after couple of years. Any crazy ideas? I don't know if you have. Here's one way to think about it, right? The current chemistry that's being used today in lithium ion cells was invented about 30 years ago, right? 1981 was the first um, uh, lithium ion battery that was introduced by Sony. Uh, and for 30 years, it's been the same chemistry with just incremental improvements, right? So mm. now that we have this new chemistry with solid state, I would not be surprised if for the next few decades, uh, this kind of chemistry just um, continues to improve incrementally to make it better and better. Uh, but 
Again, because new chemistries are hard, uh, I'm not overly optimistic that there's going to be a radical new chemistry that comes out. Um, you know, we, we do see an opportunity for better cathodes. Uh, for example, there are, uh, the, the category of cathodes known as a metal fluoride cathodes that use what's called as a, what's known as a conversion chemistry. Uh, actually, in fact, we've done some of the uh, 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 some of the greatest amount of work in that particular uh, 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 area over the last 10 years uh, with metal fluorides. Uh, we have a lot of patents in the area, uh, but um, you know that would still be within the context of the solid state cell that we're building. Uh, so that could give you additional benefits of, of energy density. Um, you know, so there's a lot of improvements like that that we think can, can keep you know, raising energy density and lowering cost, uh, but they will all be, we believe, uh, based on solid state uh, lithium metal uh, architectures. Right. So I don't know what could be the most maybe important qualities uh, you have gained so far. I, I don't know. It's a, it's, of course, it's not easy, but I don't know what could be for you the most one important quality. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, there's a number of key things you need to pull this off. One of, that, one of, the, one of the key things is you need tenacity, right? You need the ability to uh, to just keep working on the problem, you know, uh, in the face of, of challenges. Uh, it's just not easy to do new chemistries. And, and so you need a team that is mission-driven. Uh, and uh, we believe uh, this team has demonstrated that it's been mission-driven. You know, many of our core team members have been around since the early days. Uh, it's kind of like climbing a mountain, you know, that where, where no one has ever summited before. You just don't know what kinds of, of challenges you're going to encounter on the path and need a team that's capable of basically you know, being willing to uh, face those challenges and, and find ways to overcome them. Uh, you know, and there's constantly new challenges being thrown at you. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, building a new battery um, is different than say writing uh, you know, a piece of software uh, because um, you just, it has to comply with the laws of physics. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and so you can't just will a solution into being, you have to really uh, find a solution that exists in nature. Uh, and that's that's hard. It requires a lot of um, you know uh, uh, experiments uh, and a lot of you know uh, tenacity, as I said, uh, willingness to to deal with new challenges every day. Uh, we're lucky to have a team that does that. And I think with a team like that, you know, we feel like we have a good chance of uh, of completing what we started here and taking these batteries from you know uh, uh, lab demonstrations uh, into you know uh, uh, production uh, uh, shipments. Uh, and at that point, I think we'll uh, really, um, you know, uh, uh, have a chance to make a big impact on on emissions, which of course is our, our key goal. Uh, okay, thank you for, for the time, Nora. Well, uh, appreciate you. it. So, Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, Marva. Okay. Take bye. care. Okay. Thank bye. You. Bye. Bye.